Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is uh, Information Creep, issue number six, part of the Cool Table Network, where you can find shows like, and it's taking a while for it to pull back up now, uh, Shattercast Uncut, Enter the Realm podcast, uh, Beers and Bolters 40K, Plastic Fanatic, Stasis Log, Nerd Rage Radio, Toy Detox 8 Weeks, Figure Banging, and the Realm of Collectors Hangout. Uh, I am Dakota, also known as Primal Sabbath. That's where you can find me everywhere. And Greg, where can people find you, man? Uh, the gutter, uh, I hang around the methadone clinic a lot i am a notorious drug sir uh at your local internal medicine facilities and uh i do shatter cast all right good deal uh spiros where can we find your truth boners this week uh you can find me uh lurking in the cafe hardcore collectors all the facebook groups uh running the toy detox twitter account uh at underscore toy detox uh we are running a a contest right now so if you haven't uh followed toy detox facebook or on twitter or instagram uh be sure to do that and get in on some uh contest action all right and walter give us the 411 on the stock room please sir uh, i am walter young i am in hardcore collectors women collectors have our twitter account but i can't remember the damn thing of it uh <laughs> work at walmart uh try to help people on out on deals because i know how our backroom stock is so you can catch me anywhere all right there's outside eye uh so yeah this week we're going to be taking a look at the second half of season one quote unquote of more than meets the eye and uh let's see where are we going to start we're starting at issue number 12 i just had it pulled up now i can't remember what happened at issue number 12 which is pretty typical oh that's right they uh they they did the big fight didn't they um so anyways it starts out like we see like a kind of like a countdown timer looks like uh all of our favorite characters broken and bloodied and bruised and you know they've had this big fight you've got uh someone's talking to swerve asking him you know asking him you know something and he's just like hey man do you hear me and they turn him around and you see this just blown off face this little skull face uh no pun intended there i guess but um so that really sets the tone for the book, and you've, you've you know you've got Tailgate kind of pulling Cyclonus uh, off of the ship, so he's you know, badly uh, injured and all of that. But uh, this was a very interesting kind of book, man, because it, it went you know back and forth from you know post battle to pre battle, and it shows everyone just kind of laughing, having a good time, and uh, then it shows them like getting ready for the fight, and then it shows them having the fight, and we see. The reason why Swerve got his little face blown off is because uh, he's got little hands. And there was a big grip on that gun. And it was called the Schumer. And he was wondering why they called it the Schumer. Uh, but it, it made a shoom sound. Which I thought was uh, very, very clever. I always like writing like that. So uh, Swerve was out of it. Um... Anyways, uh, key points I think that happened throughout the battle is there was a bomb that was about to go off, and they were uh, kind of milking the organics. I think like they were basically uh, like composting them and turning them into like raw energy. Whoever they was, I can't remember who the enemy was. I guess it's really irrelevant. Um, and let's see. The, anyways, there was, so there was a bomb, kind of a uh, like a last-ditch effort. I think it was a group of like wayward Decepticons who hadn't quite got the message that the war was over. So 
Tailgate, having told everyone he was a bomb disposal uh, expert. Bye, Spiros. Hello, Spiros. Uh, hey. Anyway, so Tailgate telling everyone he was a bomb disposal expert was sent on the task of, you know, uh, disarming the bomb or, you know, making it safer for everyone there, saving the day. Uh, and Rewind went with them because, you know, Rewind's small too. So Tailgate's kind of, you know, letting Rewind, like, walk him through disarming a bomb. Uh, because spoiler alert, that's not at all what, uh, Tailgate, uh, did, so, um, I'm gonna need a sticker to cover up that bomb part on your, uh, Make Toys Rend. But, uh, so anyways, uh, the, the, I think he, for the most part, drained most of the explosive fluids, um, and before he and Rewind could get out of there, Whirl kind of, uh, being Whirl and not really 100%, like on board, like he, he, you know, Cyclone has threatened to kill him, so Whirl's, you know, constantly <laughs> looking over his shoulder. Um, Whirl kicks Cyclonus into the door, into the room, and seals it shut. And Cyclonus uh, used his body as a, you know, shield to protect uh, Tailgate and Rewind from that explosion. Uh, but at the end of the day, everyone, you know, kind of healed up. Tailgate offered Cyclonus his innermost energon. Um, in which Cyclonus swatted it away because Cyclonus was a dick. Uh, then he like walks over and helps him like pick it up. Like I, Cyclonus, man, he he's got some some issues to uh, to say the least. Uh, I don't think he's all there emotionally. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna trigger a lot of uh, listeners if they're female because I think Cyclonus is written like a female without. He, she goes. <laughs> Out back and forth. Well, I mean, if you, uh, you know, you look at his like, hollow matter, his, his, her hollow matter avatar. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know what? That does make sense. I think he, no, I think she is a female. <laughs> yes. We're, we're, it, it started they, here. Everyone's going to refer to Cyclonus as she. <laughs> Hey, might as well. I mean, the debate was Skywarp was Cyclones for so many years, and it makes perfect sense. What's What's funny though, man, is um, I actually like in the Cyclonus tailgate uh, um, kind of situation. I always viewed Tailgate as like the clingy girlfriend. You know what I mean? Because Tailgate Tailgate's just always, always just like hanging all over uh, Cyclonus, like. Any point he can, he can at any point where he can just kind of like hang out with Cyclonus, he's gonna do it. So yeah, so I don't know, man. That's, that's just how I've always kind of seen. Yeah, just like uh, hanging on to uh, Cyclonus. Which Cyclonus wears that skirt? So I mean, he you know, <laughs> could be Scottish, though. You never know. It's, uh, it's hard to read. Get, hard to get a read on him. <coughs> Excuse uh, me. But for the most part. Uh, <laughs> Everything kind of irons itself out, which, you know, I think totally works. And in the next issue, uh, you have, let's see, Swerve was, like, sending a a message to Blur. I think Blaster said he got uh, oh, calls uh, up. I hey, think that, for, that's, that's basically before we get into that, uh, that issue, uh, a couple things from 13 that I liked uh, was um, the title of... World's autobiography, uh, harder, faster, um, oh, yeah. wanted 
Oh, we're getting a, we're getting some oh. some dead air there. I'm ready. And uh, also, tri- oh, you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you now. It's like T painting. Uh, you weren't T painting. You were just kind of like a like oh, a long distance out. calling it. Yeah. Okay. So um, so yeah, and then Trailbreaker uh pointing out the leg guns to hoist. Uh, which was a callback to him uh, being Alyssa Fort Max's uh, legends. Oh yeah. Uh, did anyone um, did anyone get like a uh, very very uh, Full Metal Alchemist like Philosopher Stone kind of vibe to what the Decepticons were doing to the organics? Not really. Oh well, now now okay. I can mention it. Like I, I don't know, it's been it's been a while since I've watched Full Metal Alchemist, but uh, but yeah, I can see it now. Oh, and then I loved I loved Nautilator having Megatron's voice, sounding exactly like Megatron, and, and uh, world like, world wow. going back and forth with him. I think well, in, in earlier in the issue, there was there was another Decepticon was like, "Wow, you sound just like him." Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I get it all the time. It was Blip, which was a uh, plot recolor. Oh, but man, uh, really, the, that was that was a good issue. Like, I didn't I didn't cover it as well as I could have, but uh, no, that's mean, one of those. It's it's a good standalone story, I think. Um, I mean, there's there's not a lot, you know, there's not a lot to it. It's set up. It's. it's uh, I, I think is that the issue where they set up the death clock, or was it the next one? No, that's um, I don't even think that's the next one. That's that's after the uh, the Overlord thing. Spoiler. Oh, okay. So I'm jumping ahead. Oops. Uh. No, that's fine. <laughs> well, I mean, like the, you know, that issue and this next issue, like it's it's another standalone story of uh, of like Swerve telling you know he's sending a message to Blair because uh. He's convinced that he has Blair's personal hailing signal because he met Blair after one of his races, and he was like, "Hey, let's open a bar, let's be best friends." And Blair was like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." Um, kind of like taking us back to uh, like earlier in Information Creep uh, issue number one when we were talking about how like Blair was that arrogant, you know, sports star basically, and and we kind of see some more of that here. At least I think we do, but uh. Something I do think is funny is this, this is uh, this is basically Swerve telling telling a story of uh, how he got his bar back. I guess would be the the way to do it. And it starts out there's a lot of screaming uh, that he hears from you know like down the hall, and then Drift comes and just like swipes him up and uh, carries him. I guess like around a corner or something like that. It's not super clear, at least not that I can see. And uh, Swerve was just like, "Hey, unwelcome touch." You know, what I tell you about <laughs> under the arms or something like that, dude. This shit was hilarious. Because, uh, you know, those little, those smaller guys are probably more used to uh, getting picked up against their will. But um, come to find out it was Cyclonus uh, singing, or was he was he singing in, like, Tetrahexian? Old Cybertronian. Was he, it was like a... Yeah, he was, he was singing. Oh, it was Old Cybertronian. Yeah, Old, old Cybertronian. Yeah, or she was singing an old Cybertronian. I like guess. he was singing an opera, <laughs> opera Cybertronian. Yeah, but it sounded like someone was getting like maimed. Uh, apparently, Tailgate was like, "No, it's beautiful." See, that's what I'm telling you, man. Tailgate was the clingy girlfriend. Just, uh, just saying. Um, but it, and then later on in this issue, we see like kind of drift in Rodimus's 
uh, like relationship uh, a little bit more. Like, and it was funny because uh, I think Drift kind of reported to Rodimus on. He was like, "Yeah, it was nothing to it." And uh, let's see, Rodimus says something like super ironic. He's, yeah, those two have a very odd relationship. Like while Drift's like reaching around him, trying to show him how to sword fight, I guess. <laughs> which was a, which was funny. Uh, ghosting him. I, I would would that be would that be a proper usage of that? So, uh, Rodimus. Tell Swerve, you know, hey man, you need to take Magnus out. You know, you need to lighten him up. And if you do that, I'll reinstate your bar license. So they're on a local planet, and they were like, well, you know, send your Hollow Matter avatars first. You know, just in case it's not, you know, uh, Cybertronian friendly or big robot friendly. So they do that, and we see some really interesting, um, like it's it reflects their personalities. Like uh, you've got Rewind, he's wearing. Uh, a divine comedy shirt. He's got like kind of short spiked blonde hair with a obviously holding a camera. Swerve is wearing it looks like short he's a little short tubby dude and as a tall tubby dude I can respect that. Uh with big feet and these like platform sandals and a Hawaiian shirt with uh like little visor glasses. He looks like he stepped out of like uh eighties little man douchebag syndrome. You know what I mean? He he looks like the uh, the fat guy from uh, Mega's XLR. Yeah, that too. I can see it. And he's got like little hairy arms and hairy legs. It's funny. Uh, Skids he looks uh, respectable, I guess. He's got a little pin in his front pocket, wearing his uh, his business casual suit with his bow tie, and then uh, and then Rung man, like I really I really don't know how to. Peg Rung, man. He looks like he's just a nineteen, like twenties, nineteen thirties, like gentleman. I guess I don't know. I don't know what that is. Uh, and Tailgate is a little baby, with a with a uh, with a little bitty in his mouth, and he's hanging out on Swerve's back, which is hilarious. Yeah, um, Skid's Hollow Matter, uh, I believe, was actually based off of letters from Doctor Who. Okay. Really? Well, then that makes. The whole theoretician thing. And then you have Worlds. Worlds was like a little, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like a, I guess a prepubescent girl with like a gap in her teeth with an eye patch. And then like on her overall shorts or whatever, there's like an Autobot symbol with an eye patch over it. Uh, Just absolutely hilarious. And then uh, I think the best one of all is Ultra Magnus's uh, Hollow Matter avatar, which is of Verity Carlo. And, uh, anyways, the I, I guy has a soft spot. Oh, yeah. God, dude, could you, and it's, and, you know, it's way before we, uh, we really, you know, got to it, but could you imagine if, uh, Magnus got the news, uh, and sends the records with, uh, Verity? Think he would have, uh, think he would have taken that pretty seriously? Oh, yeah. What was, okay, I mean, yeah, we don't need to get into that. I thought, I thought Stakeout was assigned by Ultra Magnus to watch Verity. Oh, he, he I mean, yeah, he was, but I'm just oh, saying, okay. man, I can I could totally see Magnus uh, beating the piss out of Prowl. But, you know, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> oh, wow. Everything, every guy had to do with my favorite character. What has he done? What has he oh, done? dude, whenever we get into R.I.D., we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll get into everything, everything he's done. He's an ass, man. Your, your favorite character is an ass. Damn. But, uh, 
So anyways, like, long story short, they're just, they're drinking at a bar, um, and then they convince Magnus to switch off his, uh, was it a deterrence chip or something like that, or? Uh, it's like, in, edge on an intake trip in, or something like that. Yeah. Some, something fancy. And he takes one swig of a strong-ass drink and passes <laughs> out, and <laughs> then, like, Swerve's just like, alright, you know, he's working on a plan to, like, get Magnus back, and... He looks up and everyone's already split. Uh, so, so they left him to go hang out in the gift shop and look at things. Which was, uh, there's a little pro story there and it's interesting. And I'm probably not going to touch on it just because it's a pro story. But uh, I don't know if it shows up in the in the back of this individual issue or not. But it's definitely in the hardcover uh, collection. Uh, it, it's worth a read. It's just some nice extra backstory. Similar to how like Bullets was for uh, Last Stand of the Wreckers. So, pretty cool. Anyways, Magnus kind of comes back too, and then uh, he takes another drink and he just passes straight out again. Yep. Uh, long story short, they ended up um, getting him into his alt mode, and then they had to flip him over and then drive him back to the shuttle. And uh, everyone had a good night. And I think at the very end of it, uh, he issued Swerve his uh, his bar license back. So it was really cool. You know, there, there was some. Magnus bonding time there. Also, also we met another race of uh, transforming uh, beings in this uh, episode, or is this you? Oh yeah, and they'll they'll play a uh, they'll play the Ammonites. Yeah. <laughs> the Ammonites, which are like the one uppers to transform for the Cybertronian. It's yeah. well, our our going longer, and it's like, oh, you guys haven't mastered combining. It's like we're all we're all Deca combiners. We all we all have twelve different forms. The best your race can do is six. And then Whirl went out and uh, ended their <laughs> war for them. <laughs> yeah, just nonchalantly like ended the war like by killing the opposing uh, leader. Just, uh, and he's like just that. Walk outside and done. I will. That my little friend is that like or he says something of like that, and uh, and and you're right that does play an important role uh, because I believe the you know some some of the little guys that were killed uh, come back later on, so something to keep in mind. There's a there's a, there's a very uh, there's a very un uh, unexplained reference to a dark cyclops and. Uh, at the time, nobody knew if they were talking about Whirl or... Or no, 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 I, I'm jumping ahead. I'm bad. My bad. Oh, that's fine, man. That's like issue 19 or something that, that we uh, we hear about the Dark Cyclops. Okay, so, uh, yeah, issue 14, great issue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next story arc, and I guess we'll, we'll cover the two in one, it, it starts out, you know, it, it says, you know, there, there's a prologue, prologue for it. It's called A Functionist Calls. Uh, you see a couple of miners working on uh, Luna 2, and they find uh, a, a, a green spark, which is a, a 0.1 percenter. And, you know, they, they make the call to their supervisor, and their supervisor lets, lets someone from the Functionist Council knows. Uh, he comes and collects it and then tells the supervisor, you know, he'll be rewarded, I think, with alt mode exemption or something like that. And then, like, the two miners that actually found it, they're like, hey, you know, what do we get? And he's like, well, uh, were you the, you know, did you see its, its first kind of uh, shine or whatever like that? 
forgot what they called it. Hang on, I've got it like pulled up right here. Uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, the Flash. Did you were you exposed to the first Flash? And uh, he tells them they have about six hours to live. So that's that's interesting. That's an interesting thing. The whole uh, with the the point one percenters that like once there's that little flash of light, you know, if you're exposed to it, then you know you die. I, I, I'm assuming it's just exclusive to them. We don't really see a whole lot on it later on. Uh, we go. We see some stuff happen from Garrus Nine. Uh, we see Overlord punching Impactor and Singer doing his thing. Uh, but we see a familiar character in the background, and it's uh, it's Chrome Dome. He's just kind of going over the events, and then um, you know, we go to like kind of a blank room, and uh, Chrome Dome is using his uh, Nemo Surgeon needles on Overlord because that's what's holed up uh, in the bottom of the ship. Saying "Kill me, kill me, kill me," which Red Alert heard, which made <laughs> him go crazy, and he removed his head and jumped into the oil pit. Uh, fun stuff there. So Chrome Dome is kind of you know Chrome Dome is kind of like arrogantly teasing Overlord at this point, um, you know, telling him like what he can do, what he, you know why he's he's kind of stuck there and what he can't do. Um, but eventually, Chrome Dome gets overpowered because Overlord. Uh, took some classes in uh, Nemo surgery and, and reverse psychology, I guess. So he was able to kind of uh, take control of the events, and he broke free from his uh, restraints, which they had him in this strange room that, like, slowed down time. So, like, you know, just a couple of seconds in there were, like, the equivalent of, you know, 15 or 20 minutes outside of, of that room. Uh, so Overlord breaks free, and he's wreaking havoc all over the ship. Um... Uh, People are getting killed and hurt and everything you would expect from Overlord. Uh, finally, Chrome Dome makes it out. Uh, you've got uh, everyone kind of throwing their best at him, but nothing really gives. So finally, they uh, let out Fortress Maximus, who I believe has a debt to settle. And then for Max and Overlord... Just a little one. Yeah, oh yeah, very, very minor. It's over like a parking ticket or something. Uh, <laughs> and so they found... And they start throwing down pretty hard. And, like, Ultra Magnus, I, did he get, like, impaled? Or he uh, got shot so, through or something like that? I can't remember what exactly yeah. happened. So, so, I'll, yeah, uh, he, he and Overlord are grappling. And uh, he's, you know, saying how he should have been on Garrus 9. And, you know, he should have been there to finish Overlord. And Overlord starts laughing at him, and uh, Magnus is like, what's so funny? And he's like, you are, like, you're macho bravado, and, you know, you're, you're, you're just a big joke. And uh, he says that he's been holding back, but Ultra Magnus has been uh, fighting with his all. I thought and then he said that he... to Fort Max. No, no, no. He says it's oh, Ultra Magnus. He's, okay. He says Ultra Magnus because he runs him through with Drift Sword. Oh, that's right. Um, because yeah, being that Ultra Magnus is my favorite character, like I reread that that part like over and over. Um, like at Ultra Magnus van, like were you? Because this is like this is about the point where we got to where like you know maybe no one is safe from a. Uh, the the deathly hand of James Roberts. 
Were you were you at at all kind of curious? I don't know. Like is like with that moment, I half I'm like no, he's gonna come back because James Roberts has established himself as the king of fake out deaths <laughs> because it's like. Run gets shot through the head with a rivet gun, and then <laughs> comes right back. Yeah, and it just, I'm, yeah, I was just like, well, I'm like, if, if, if Run can come back from getting his head blown off, then I'm sure Ultra Magnus can come back from, you know, getting stabbed, you know, near his spark. So, but I mean, it was, I mean, it was, it was a cool action between them because. Uh, you know, Ultra Magnus it, it seems like distant, uh, you know, bureaucrat kind of lawman, and uh, to see him kind of being personal with Overlord, like, I'd have been there, you know, like, I should have yeah. handled you back then so you weren't here. Um, but uh, one, uh, I, I think the most, uh, I think the most shing part uh, of the fir- the first uh, issue, which I think it was fifteen, um, was how savage Overlord killed Pipes, uh, which which which. Oh man, it was so bad yeah, too because he just got done sending a message. And Pipes was just like saying how he hasn't had good luck on the trip, and then he bumps the Overlord and like just they, just the way they did that scene with him like choking out the words. Uh, yeah, like, man. just, you know, I'm, like, that, that, there's not a lot of moments in Transformer comics, like, to me, but that one, like, uh, I had to look around to see if anybody was cutting onions in the, yeah, in the room, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, uh, also, Drift got his legs pulled off, uh, by Overlord, I thought that was kind of brutal, that's something that's kind of, like, hidden in the, you know, the kind of back panels of, um, like Ratchet telling Rodimus to, you know, just bring everyone yeah. up and bring one. Um, and, I, and I'm looking for it, but there was. I mean, uh, badass was Ratchet. Like he's got Overlord staring down, like, and he's obviously. I mean, I stay over when it comes to Overlord, but like he looked like his head took up most of the uh, the med bay door when Ratchet like shot in the face. Like he's just. Ratchet has no fear at all. Yeah. Um, something else that was funny was uh, the 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 gun that breaks the fourth wall and swears. Oh, was that a bomb or was it a fourth wall? Yeah, it was the it was the meta bomb. Oh, okay. Yeah, the meta meta fictional <laughs> meta fictional bomb. Yeah. <laughs> so swears just like Swerve. talking. Swerve's like, I did it off panel, and rewinds. Like, what does that mean? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> and he's like narrating the story, he's like death in the ranks. Rodimus and his crew are confronted by the enemy within. Just like all this shit and drifts. Like Swerve, just concentrate. Give me that. Give me the communicator. Like, stop screwing around. Like no one knows what Swerve is up to. You know what I mean? Well, that that little bit that Swerve said, like death in the ranks. You know, Rodimus and his crew. Like, that was actually the text for the solicit for the uh, issue. Like, if you, like, like, oh, it, really? it, when you read the little synopses in the solicits, like, that was the text for the solicit. So I thought that, that was, uh, 
That was kind of funny. Uh, let's mm. see. Uh, oh, it is. Uh, something that kind of caught Overlord off guard uh, was uh, we we learned something called uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna call this dude's uh, Trepan. I guess that's how it's pronounced. Trepan. Uh, Trepan. Okay. I didn't know. It's, it's some of, some of these some of these some of these names are just they 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 fuck me up a little bit. So it's from a process. It's from an old like archaic uh, procedure called trepanation, where they would drill a hole in a person's skull to alleviate pressure on their brain. Okay. That and it was uh, like sense. a precursor to lobotomy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, demon out of the head. But uh, but we and we met Trepan in uh, Shadow Play. He was the one kind of. Uh, running up the the clinic, doing all of the, the lobotomies, basically, uh, and we see Overlord get tripped up after Rodimus uh, says something to him. Um, he says, uh, "Till all are one," and we find out that Crut uh, as uh, something called Trepin's trigger. Uh, you know, whenever you're altering someone's memories, that a particular phrase elicits a particular response. And he was basically like, well, since Rodimus says it all the time, you know, it was bound to be said at some point. You know what I mean? And so that, that kind of threw Overlord off and put him kind of in a daze of, like, his worst nightmares. Uh, and I think we saw that, like, earlier on. Uh, every time Overlord was getting his ass beat in his memories, uh, be it by Megatron, by Springer, by um, anyone else, you, you know, he would, he would hear till all are one. And Fort Max ended up beating him to uh, back to the uh, the room that they were holding him in, and he gets in there, but his sword gets stuck, and the door won't close, so they could jettison the cargo. So uh, we see Rewind make the ultimate sacrifice to jump in, uh, dislodge the sword, and um, then Chromedome loses an arm in the process. Because uh, Chromedome and Rewind, uh, that's that's literally the greatest love story I've ever seen. Like, I don't give a shit what anybody says uh, about, you know, oh, I want to read about giant robots. Thank uh, you. It was yeah. a really good dynamic. Like, this was very, this was a very well-written personal relationship. Uh, nothing, like, really felt forced about it. It was just, it was very smooth. So seeing, you know, Chromedome kind of seeing Rewind, you know, make that sacrifice... Uh, the cargo was jettisoned, and uh, the lost light. Our Crumdome in particular fired on it. Um, or was it Blaster? Either way. No. And, yeah, Crumdome fires on it because uh, he doesn't want Rewind to um, fall, to fall victim to Overlord. And uh, yeah. In that in that instance. Uh, uh, Rewind says something that uh, like stuck out to me. It says every shape serves a purpose, which was like mantra of the functionists. Yeah, that was uh, that was that was honestly, man, that was a, that was a pretty hard issue. Like that issue had me choked up the first time I read it, because um, you know you you saw kind of how tight they were. You know what I mean? And then uh, and then that was it. Uh, Rewind made the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, which, I mean, it's it's surprising. I mean, it, it's really it really says how much Rewind was in love with Chrome Dome that 
despite Chrome Dome going against Rewind's wishes of not uh, not uh, doing pneumosurgery anymore, he'd been sneaking to do pneumosurgery on Overlord, uh, you know, to install the the Trepan's trigger and all that, and um, you know, Rewind was Rewind was legitimately pissed off with Chrome Dome when he found out, and then he still, you know, selflessly sacrificed himself for the good of the ship. Yep. And to save, you know, uh, Chrome Dome. And, uh, and we find out the reason why Overlord was there in the place was uh, Prowl had him rebuilt, which, you know, first mistake. <laughs> uh, and I think he had him rebuilt as kind of like a way of, uh, of, like, of good faith, like, hey, you know, since the war is over... Why don't we ease a little bit of your, you know, your, your prison time, and you know, you you teach us how to make Autobot Phase Sixers, you know, and that was that was the whole reason. I don't know if they explained that. I'm pretty sure they explained that in the story arc. If not, uh, that was uh, that was basically the intention. Um, that was like later on. Felt his prowl's presence later on. Yeah, um, and that was you know, and there there were only a handful of you know bots on board that knew about it. Uh, Brainstorm. Uh, Chrome Dome, uh, Drift, I Drift. believe. Yeah, and then I think like later on we find we find out there were a few more bots in on it. Uh, but like, if anything were to happen, like on record, those were the ones that would uh, that would be told. So, uh, Spiros man, I know you're a, you're an Ultra Magnus fan. You want to take away the the next one? Uh, uh, yeah, the, um, I mean, this is. I mean, these first couple pages of uh, issue sixteen um, is just it's it like it's it, it seems confusing uh, because here he is on Hell's Point and he's facing down the Warriors Elite and uh, uh, he's one he's smiling you know Ultra never smiles and uh, he's saying. He's saying how Megatron isn't there to uh, make the call for them to, um, what should I call it? Okay, to uh, to mess up with the uh, the cruiser, and then Heretic is uh, holding Megatron, and he's like, "Isn't he?" And then Ultra Magnus gets shot through. Uh, his midsection, and there's a uh, mysterious focus on his hand. Uh, his right hand, in particular. I, I, I have no idea what that is about. Um, <laughs> and then it skips to another uh, another battle on Clemency, which is the planet that the um, scavengers found Grimlock on, and they faced off against the DJD. I and, wanted to uh, note, I want to, to take note here. His badge is crooked. Yeah, his his badge is very askew. Which, that's um, not like Ultra Magnus at all. No, and, um... You think these I were love, in his, like, his younger, rebellious days? Possibly. I mean, Clemency, yeah. uh, you know, did happen early in the war. And, uh, I love... I love that the Power Dashers are there with Shock and Or, uh, which I think, like, that's the only time you ever see the Power Dashers <laughs> in, uh, uh, IDW fiction. And I love that Ultra Magnus says... Pray they're not aiming for anyone in particular, and we see Torque with Ultra Magnus written on his alt mode. And call uh, back to issue number what was that seven or eight when we uh, saw Torque talking to. Uh, I think it was. 
I think it was eight because that opened with uh, Fulcrum's backstory. So yeah, and <laughs> you saw the Ultra, you know, Ultra Magnus written on him. So uh, no, that was a nice callback. I thought that was a nice callback. And then uh, we have um, Ultra Magnus getting hit by Torque with a uh, very Furman-esque ack. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then the next uh, next scene we uh, we have Samancy, which I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, five miles from the Crucible, which uh, these are all um, these are all battles that we've heard referenced in IDW fiction in the past, uh, but we've never actually seen them full on or even you know the events of them. Uh, so it's kind of interesting just to get little uh, little glimpses at it, and uh, we see Ultra Magnus walking past a Cybertronian or a, a Cybernaut, which is the uh, the big armor that uh, crankcase. Oh, yeah, brand awareness. The brand yeah. awareness armor. Brand awareness armor. Yeah. Uh, and then he gets uh, blasted away, and uh, Rotor Storm's there, which uh, our favorite wrecker or ex wrecker, oh, I guess. Oh man, bringing back bad memories. <laughs> and uh, I like, I like how. Uh, I like how Roto, Rotor Storm says, uh, I know, I know, leave the lighthearted banter to you, which uh, is another decidedly out-of-character uh, moment for Ultra Magnus. And um, so then we uh, go to Ultra Magnus under the death clock, uh, which uh, it is a clock that can measure the rate of shrinkage of our and uh, it can tell the medical uh, professional I guess we'll say um, how long a patient has to live so everyone's freaking out about Ultra Magnus you know, having what 10 hours to live is it uh, yes yeah 10 hours 10 minutes or 10 days Oh, days, days, hours, minutes, seconds. Okay, it says it right there on panel. Jeez. Um, yeah, 10 days, 10 hours, 1 minute, 59 seconds. Um, and Tailgate has one of his uh, freaky freakouts. Um, oh, dude. And his adorable to, little uh, crying eyes, man. <laughs> cut to uh, Rodimus um, feigning innocence for Overlord uh, being on board. And uh, Chrome Dome is uh, sulking on the uh, lost light, and um, he's acting very peculiar for, p- peculiar for someone who just lost, lost uh, their loved one when he's talking to Skids. And um, it's kind of interesting that Skids is the one talking to him about, you know remembering his friend when Skids has the uh the memory issues yeah the memory issues um I thought like kind of fast forwarding to that uh like a little bit past I know we're getting ahead the the talk that uh Brainstorm had with him was I thought was very heartfelt because I mean they obviously go way back uh further back I think than than Skids and Chrome Dome go uh even though they had a couple of run-ins but um but yeah Keep going. Um, and, um, so Rung and Rodimus are having a conversation about, 
about what happened because Rodimus uh, is having a tantrum punching holes in the wall and uh, <laughs> um so and they they're they're kind of looking uh they're Rodimus is remarking how Max would hate seeing uh his office in that state like all disorganized and stuff and um He's talking about the memos that Ultra Magnus would send, and uh, I love, I love, I love Rung just going off of uh, the subject lines from the memos, like corridor lighting, latest observations, a risk analysis of lost light signage, door frame audit, part fifteen. Twelve. Hear me still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, um, and then um, it's just it it's it kind of points out that Rodimus is a shitty captain because he apparently <laughs> never read any of Ultra Magnus's uh, memos, and uh, then Rung uh, pisses him off, and we get some uh, super moody shading on Rodimus's face. Um, and Rung basically says, like, you're pissed off because you weren't the hero. And Rodimus is like, get the hell out of my office. <laughs> Dude, man, you, well, you, you, wanna, you really want to piss Rodimus off, man. You, you attack him at that pride. Yeah, you get his ego. Yeah. Yep. Well, um, no. And, I don't know, no. like, the thing the thing with the next scene with the, uh, like, the funeral for the people who fell during uh, Overlord's Rampage, uh, it's one of the issues I actually have with its Rampage is that it was, like, a one-and-done thing where, you, you know, there wasn't, I mean, yeah, Ultra Magnus got run through and, you know, you had your Fort Max fight. It seemed like it was too flash-in-the-pan. And there wasn't a there wasn't a, a, a there wasn't a visceral sense of danger, like with Overlord's Rampage. You got what you got like you got like a really cool splash page where he's taking on like you know most of the Lost Light crew, and then you have Ultra Magnus's confrontation with him. Um, but then you see like there's a couple known names, uh, like. Tripodeca of Iacon Minor. Oh yeah, tri- Tripodica is what I called him. Or Tripodica. Okay, there we go. That's uh, my mastery of the English language is second to none. Like we're all <laughs> like we we all fuck up names. I feel like I got that one right, but uh, who knows? <laughs> also, uh, nah, I think, yeah, that sounds right because he probably turns into a tri- tripod. And I think I think um, we were, we saw like later on. We we'll see it later on in kind of one of the flashback issues, but like. That particular, like, Tripodica was close with Perceptor, given Perceptor's skill set, you know, like, uh, and I, I don't know if it was in that issue or if it was in the later issue where, you know, Perceptor was actually using him as a tripod to, you know, sniping uh, at Overlord. So, elf, but, uh, <clears throat> but I, I do remember that pretty... Pretty uh, exclusively, I want, and maybe maybe in one of the later, you know, season two issues where they have the big flashback. But uh... anyways, carry yeah. on. Um, and it's it's cool to see the uh, the like funeral ritual, uh, which is you know some more world building on James Roberts' uh, part. 
um, you know, about the different, like, religious uh, viewpoints of the Transformers, and um, and then Chrome Dome, uh, again, strangely, is not, uh, he, he's very distant when uh, Chrome Dome, or when Rodimus asks him if he wants to say a couple words, and that's when Brainstorm notices, like, you see Brainstorm look at him, uh, like, very intently, and this is when they have their, uh, their conversation, which, uh, you know, they're, and we come to find out that Chrome is just a big floozy of the IDW universe because he's had so many conjects and duras, um, that apparently he's, um, he's self operated on himself every time one of them is passed uh, to make it make him forget them and he's he's done that and, after uh, he's donated his innermost energon which he made a joke uh you know a couple of issues back which i should have touched on that he was uh quote-unquote born dry and right brainstorm and then, even talks about he's like you weren't born dry, just giving it all away but we've had this talk three times already three or four times already. right and i mean like it's and like you said, it's like it's a really, it's a really deep, uh, it's a really deep conversation they have, and uh, you know, brainstorms like you know, promise me that you're not going to, uh, you know, do it again now that rewind's gone, and uh, great, great panel right here, where Chrome Dome or uh, brainstorms walking away and his face is in shadow. And then you hear the the sound of Chrome Dome's needles coming out of his hand, and uh, Chrome or Brainstorm's just looking down like, "And what the hell?" <laughs> so um, I don't know, uh, Dakota. If you want to take uh, take over for the next scene where uh, it's uh, Rodimus, you know, popping out. Oh man, the uh, the the Great yep. Exile. Um, so due to, you know, all that kind of going on, like Rodimus obviously knew about Overlord being there. I think it was like one of the stipulations that he accepted from, from Prowl for, uh, taking off, but he's, he's given a big speech because Drift has owned up to, yeah. um, I was getting ready to say Drift knew about it too, didn't he? Yeah, but Dr- Drift took the full responsibility of it. He was like, look, it was, it was me. I was, you know, acting uh alone on this and you know we we just you know we kind of lost you know we we lost control of the situation so uh rodimus you know after giving this this big funeral uh shames drift and believe he rips off the auto bed as well yeah he did i remember that yeah he did ripped him off and kicked him off the ship and i I think you know i think you know the the kind of relationship that drift and rodimus have it's totally like I think on the outside it's like an Amica Enduro, like a best friend. Uh, but they, they totally, you know, and th- there's even some jokes made later on, like uh, someone calls uh, Rodimus Drift's uh, conjunction Endura, uh, or, or, or vice versa, or something like that. So kind of a heartbreaking man. Yeah, it's in Lost Life. Oh, that's in Lost Life. Um, okay. So of note, while um, while Rodimus is um, kicking Drift off of uh, the Lost Light. You do see Ultra Magnus's right hand uh, clench up underneath the uh, the death clock. I'm sure it's totally and, unrelated, um, though, right? 
<laughs> totally. Uh, and then we have one of the most famous uh, moments in uh, Morning Meets the Eye is Chrome Dome listening to the data slug that Rewind recorded for him. And using ones. He just uh, uses like footage from all his data banks to piece together basically a love letter to Chrome Dome. And uh, apparently it is enough to stop Chrome Dome from uh, wiping his memory. And while this is going on, Drift's making his walk of shame. Uh, like shit's getting thrown at him and, you know, you see Ratchet kind of extend a helping hand. Because, I mean, you know, for the most part, Drift and Ratchet have been kind of at each other's throats. Or Um, buddy, buddy. I wouldn't say buddy, buddy. (laughs) Not yet. Not no, sure. they've 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 had this antagonistic or uh, antagonist. Somebody say the word for me. Antagonizing. Uh, antagonist. Antagonistic. Antagonistic relationship. Um, you know, throughout the whole uh, the whole season, and then he Ratchet just really shows this deep, like caring moment where he's like he helps uh, Drift get to a ship, and. Uh, and I mean, as a, as, a, as a as a lifelong you know doctor, I mean it it shows like you know I, th- I think it shows you know beyond like their their little hustles and their quarrels and stuff like that, like how uh, you know how how true Ratchet is I think to his his himself and his profession. But uh, I thought that was a, a pretty touching um, scene. Yeah. And then uh, Ratchet's lost patient uh, because Magnus is no longer in the med bay. And Delgate, um, in his uh, infantile curiosity, sticks his hand under the uh, death clock. And uh, we come to find out that Tailgate has three days, ten hours, and 46 minutes to live. Dun, dun, that, dun. Which, oh yeah, man. It's and that a, is the end of uh, issue 16. Which sets and, us up uh, for... Uh, well, hold on. Uh, that being said, this is my, my time. So yeah, I have so to Craig... jump off. Yeah, I got to oh, okay. jump off a little early. Um, oh, it's all good, man. So uh, You want to shout anything out or um, like that before you cut out? Nothing you hadn't already shot already, man. So, um, yeah, everybody be good. And a uh, couple more weeks of me beating Rocky and I'll be on here full time again. So Good deal, man. Well, we're just well, you know, we're glad to have you back. Take your time, man. Yeah, it sucks. We're going to miss my favorite issue. but Yeah. I know. We're, we're gonna do an episode where it's just uh, Greg by himself covering everything that he's wanted to cover, but he hasn't been able to. <laughs> he's gonna be like, he's he's gonna be like, let's fucking talk about Pat Lee and Thunderclash. Oh man, <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll I'll reimagine the story with Pat Lee and Thunderclash instead of Thunderclash. <laughs> just Pat Lee. It's just Pat Lee, big bold like letters. Pat Lee exclamation points all over the place. <laughs> But all right, man, yeah, uh, Greg, thanks for joining us tonight, man. All right, guys, have a good night. All right, take care, man. This is uh, is kind of the beginning of um, this next kind of story arc going, you know, kind of leading into uh, the big things that happen in Dark Cybertron. And this is a pretty big event, in my opinion, uh, as far as writing goes. So Tailgate has just found out that that he has... uh, Three days to live. 
So he's running down this hallway, man, tears in his eyes, uh, just, you know, kind of screaming for Cyclonus, man. He's, uh, he's kind of, you know, exclusively, like, looking for Cyclonus. And Cyclonus, like, doesn't seem to really, uh, too much of a shit. I mean, he kind of cares, but, you know, it's, you know, Cyclonus, man, he's, he's real tough to read. Um... Meanwhile, uh, everyone's trying to figure out what's happening to Ultra Magnus, and then, you know, they, they see this portal. Um, meanwhile, Cyclonus kind of goes off uh, to, to be by himself, and it looks like he's, he's staring in the mirror, and he takes his, his hand, his claws, and puts a big slash across his face with, with, his, with his fingers, which I think was a way for, because Cy- Cyclonus was from Tetrahex, and that was like a way that they showed... Uh, pain without emotion, you know, showed that they were that they were sad. So, uh, needless to say, uh, Tailgates ended up at Swerves, and he's super bummed as anyone who just found out they have three days to live would be. Um, all you know. Meanwhile, send the crew through the portal, and whether there were any objections or not, and guess what they find? Uh, Luna was it Luna one? Yep. Uh, Luna one. Yeah, because okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember if two ended up disappearing or one ended up disappearing. But no, Luna Luna two uh, plays into the um, events right after Cybertron, if you remember. Um, uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I got you. I got you. So yeah, they they come upon the lost moon uh, because apparently. Way back when, uh, Luna 1 was ripped asunder from the sky of Cybertron. And um, it's also known as uh, the Sing Moon. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's oh, and um, we uh, kind of skipped over them, but um, uh, in Spotlight Trailbreaker, Lockdown and his Titaners shut up. And... Oh, yeah. Uh, Trailbreaker tricked them all, and, uh, then they went on their merry way after Trailbreaker, uh, you know, Found his acted new all badass, <laughs> and, uh, oh, look, they, uh, they popped back up on Luna 1, Mysterious. <laughs> yeah, and we also find out that Luna 1 is, is a, is a hotspot for, for Sparks, and we also find out a lot of stuff about, you know, uh, the two different ways that Cybertronians are made. Uh, they're, you know, forged, which is a, they consider it a natural earth, or they're constructed cold, which means, you know, the sparks are harvested and they're placed inside pre-built bodies. Um, and, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, no go just, ahead, man. We're gonna, we're gonna have dueling hosting, like, the whole, Oh, yeah, uh, it's, whole issue. I think that's how we're gonna cover, like, the, the, the most of, the most of it, because, like, there's stuff I'll forget and, like, you'll nail it, and there's stuff, you know... So yeah, yeah, I'll just gloss over. But yeah. uh, so we find a green spark, and uh, brainstorm starts. Brainstorm starts like trying to like harvest it, and Perceptor's freaking out. He's like, "What are you doing? Do you even know what you're doing?" And Brainstorm's like, it, "I've seen it done a thousand times. It can't be that hard." And then somebody <laughs> says something about sticking it in his briefcase. And Brainstorm's like, you just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and he just sticks it in his briefcase. Um, 
Yeah, that was and 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 so like remind you, it, it's I, and I don't know if you said it or not, but it's a point one percenter spark. Yeah, it's a green, green spark. spark. So um, that comes into play later on. It's that's another, you know, kind of seed planted for season two. We've got a lot of these seeds that are being planted. Like you know, what's what's uh, brainstorm going to do with with a you know a point one percenter? So very right. very interesting stuff here. Uh, at least I think. So so uh, after anyways. after a lot of shenanigans and uh, chasing and. Uh, Rodimus and crew are imprisoned, uh, and come to find out that they are imprisoned with a mysterious, uh, mustachioed white and green robot, um, who apparently knows who Tyrus is, and Tyrus, uh, for the listeners who might not remember, uh, did cameo in Last Stand of the Wreckers. Uh, in a flashback panel with Prowl uh, and a couple other uh, Zaron, Emirate Zaron, uh, they were all watching uh, the trial of another. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Like I... Okay. Um, they were watching the I trial. Thought... Flame, uh, who was an Autobot scientist in UK Marvel stuff. And I think he was central to the City of Fear storyline where the Wreckers uh, took on zombie Cybertronians. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, I could have sworn uh, Emirate Zaron and Tyrus showed up during Megatron's, um, not, not you know, the future one, but, I, you know, wasn't there a point in Phase 1, like, during the whole Chaos event? Where Emirate Zaron and and Tyrus showed up for uh, you know whenever the Autobots had Megatron in custody. There were no well, yeah Zaron Zaron was on Omega Supreme with the Autobots when they were going back to Cybertron mm-hmm. uh, because he's talking to Optimus uh, and Optimus like thanks him for being present since he's uh, highly regarded in like the Autobot leadership uh, structure. Yeah. And um, I don't think Tyrus ever showed See, up prior. No. But I'm sorry, sorry, Walter, you were going to say something, and I cut you off. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, that's cool. Uh, what happened was, I remembered it, this was all before they went to Cybertron, that, who, who were we talking about? Exer- uh, I can never pronounce his name. Even the old. Zaron. Yeah. They, they couldn't figure out a way for, Me- uh, for Megatron, because I didn't think Optimus didn't want to put him there to death. Um, also, this is like, what is it? His second appearance? Example. Um, well, yeah, what, the, Zaron? Yeah. Yeah, because he's been on the Lost Light, and he showed up uh, during the funeral scene. Okay. But, uh, like, see, outside of... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, that's so strange, like, just as, as a talking point, like, you know, of of all, it would. I guess it makes sense, like Zaron wanting to just find the Knights of Cybertron, but for that to be such a high, uh, highly respected kind of key player in the former Autobot Command, I would have thought that maybe he would have been featured a little bit more because Zaron's been a pretty, uh, I think, popular amongst the fandom character. Yeah, but yeah, like the, same. Are we talking about the character that was in the Marvel comic book series. 
Yeah, like he was he was he played it pretty heavily in the Marvel yeah. comics once yeah, Simon Furman took over. Yeah, he he played a big role. So yeah, I just I just find it strange that and which you know we we may see you know some more of that uh, in in Lost Light whenever you know they kind of get back to 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 what they were doing and where they were and all that. Not to spoil anything, but um, but yeah, I always thought that was weird. So um. Yeah, I mean, so we find out Tyrus um, has been harvesting the corpses of Titans, um, and uh, he basically says that um, to find a Titan, or, and I don't have the issue in front of me, so I do apologize. Um, He says something equivalent of, like, to like to find a titan, we need another titan or something like that. Uh, Dakota, I don't know if you have. Um, uh, yeah, I, th- I think he's he's basically saying like the titans are all linked. Um, yeah, the, with yeah, their okay. with their you know their internal space bridges and all that, and and that'll that'll kind of like play into it later. I don't have the killer issue in front of me. Like I'm on the next one right now. Um, mm-hmm. but we also see that there's a bunch of little holes in the tyrist as well. Yeah, so, um, also while the, uh, while our heroes were being escorted to their jail cell, uh, somebody saw Ultra Magnus, but he was unresponsive. Um, so, as we're, um, as we're, uh, as we're talking to our new, uh, white and green friend, uh, who reveals himself to be Minimus Ambus. Little, uh, little uh, Mr. Monopoly guy, yeah. Yeah, who, um, as you know, Rewind uh, was searching for his brother, Dominus Ambus. Uh, Rewind's first Conjux Endura. Um, so, apparently, uh, Tyrus has gone off the deep end, and he's been drilling holes in himself. Uh, and he, he feels that he needs to... Um, purify the Cybertronian race because he feels constructed cold um, constructed cold uh, transformers are like inherently evil uh, which is a little racist um, <laughs> uh, so uh, and it, because he um, he comes to the conclusion that everybody who was uh, found guilty by Equatus um, was constructed cold which uh, it's kind of funny. They actually had to go and rewrite um, something to do with. Oh, they had to rewrite a bit of dialogue because they mentioned um, Impactor as a forged um, robot. Like I think they said he was a point one percent or something. They had to go and change dialogue uh, with Prowl mentioning him um, because. Uh, it clashed with this. Um, it clashed with this, where Equitas found him uh, guilty, so he couldn't have been forged. That damn prowl! What the hell? And uh, also, also before I forget, um, when Prowl was hunting Chrome Dome about bringing Overlord on board, uh, Chrome Dome attacks him and forcibly uh, performs Numa surgery on Prowl. Which will play into the R.I.D. comic when we get to it. Yep, that uh, and yeah, man, that was that was definitely the long game. You know, there, you know, they they had said there was going to be 
like more than meets the eye in RID were going to be kind of uh, like alter. You know, they they were going to cross over more um, than what they really did. But I think there were some of those little subtle things uh, that definitely played into some of those crossovers. Like not that weren't you know directly crossed over. Not like you know Dark Cybertron. Whenever both of the books were basically you know running as one essentially. Right. But yeah, that that is cool how um, how that worked out. Um, yeah, and nice nice little seed that was dropped in more than meets the eye, like kind of an an Easter egg for fans who are following both series concurrently. Right. Um, now, like we we find out that uh, like I, I believe we see like Skids is at the <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, Skids is at the oil reservoir uh, on the ship, and like he hears something, and it turns uh, those big golden or yellow bots that were uh chasing him in issue number two uh have showed have showed back up where issue number two or three whatever it was um they've shown back up and now instead of them saying 94 they're saying 1721 and so skids has a fight on his hands um and then it looks like one of them walks into swerve's bar and (laughs) this this is probably one of my like favorite like couple of pages it's like, hey, can't you read? No gun, and there's a sign that says "No guns, no swords, and no briefcases." Um, like part of you know Swerve's like bar rules, and uh, legislature keeps saying uh, 1781, and then he just opens fire on Swerve, and you know you see Swerve kind of like duck and cover, just like screaming, "Hey, hey, you know, stop, stop shit!" And so Swerve's behind his bar, and he pulls this lever. And all these guns just come out of nowhere. Uh, and, you know, he said, well, I had, uh, after World's last freakout, I had Brainstorm install some security measures. And, like, when I say wow. guns are everywhere, they are freaking everywhere. Um, so it's just laying into this legislature, uh, legislator. And then Swerve goes to a little secret compartment and he pulls out the coolest fucking gun ever. <laughs> it's like um, it's it looks and... like Fisher Price blaster for transform. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's got like the little lights and Anyways, the little smiley face under. I had to I I I I describe it for our listeners in case they maybe have never read more. Oh, um, oh man, like believe you me. Uh this this is this is going to be the one panel like I'm for sure going to be po- posting in the in the video form, um, <laughs> uh, but it's Swerve standing there and you see it's my first blaster and shout out to Make Toys man you know whenever they made their trash talking their their uh, cogwheel or their Swerve and their gears they they made a separate kit uh, called my first blaster, um, and you know you get to put it together and all that and I mean it looks just like it's even got the little sticker on it, it says my first blaster and under it it says big grip for little hands. And it's it's just so funny, um, but what Swear says, like, I didn't say it to Fort Max, and I didn't say it to Whirl, and I didn't even say it to Cyclonus when he had his dead universe flashback, and he just like freaking you know loads it up, and he's like, "But you, my friend, to you I say, get the hell out of my bar," and he hits him, and this like green, acidic, slimy stuff hits him, and you see like the lights and sounds go off on the gun, and it's like. You can hear like like you said like those little Fisher Price like uh, sounds that you think of. And it's just like hooray, you scored a direct hit. 
That shit's so funny, man. I don't know, like I I die laughing no, every time I, I see that. I mean that. that yeah, that was that was one of the best scenes like in that uh issue. Um so legislators are taking over or beaming into like every different part of the ship, so Everyone on the Lost Light is fighting off these legislators, including, like, Blaster and Fort Max and, you know, anybody else who isn't on the surface of Luna 1. Um, so, we find out the legislators are uh, Tyrest's, um, you know, boogeymen, so to speak. And, and uh, Tyrest, you know, in, uh, in classic villain fashion, reveals his plan to... Um, our hapless heroes. Um, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I just jumped ahead of a major plot point for my boy, Ultra Magnus. Um, yeah, dude, don't skip it. So, so um, you know, everybody, write it. Every everybody, everybody knows that you know Ultra Magnus's spiel, where he's like duly appointed enforcer of the Tyrest Accord, uh, which we've met Tyrest, who he um, became troll. Um, shortly after the beginning of the war, and he basically acted as a um, as uh, Switzerland between Optimus and Megatron, and like they drew up uh, certain rules of engagement and uh, how you know Cybertronian technology would be handled and all that. Uh, so we come to find out that Minimus Ambus is Ultra Magnus. <gasps> dun dun dun. <laughs> um. Which, <laughs> let me tell you, if there was ever something that uh, divided the uh, the IDW fandom... Was that? Uh, was that. Like, people couldn't stand that Ultra Magnus wasn't Ultra Magnus. This is my Ultra Magnus. Hag, not my Ultra Magnus. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, like, some people were like, oh, oh, it's cool, it's a different take on the white robot and the Ultra Magnus armor. Um which that was kind of like my take on it, like, you know, it was a nod to the G1 toy with the white Optimus, but instead of white Optimus, it's a white and green little dude. And uh, every Ultra Magnus that we saw in the previous issue, uh, or in issue 16, um, was a different Ultra Magnus, hence their uh, drastically different um, behaviors to the Ultra Magnus we know now, which is Minimus. And um, I, I love the way that we they reveal Minimus as Ultra Magnus uh, because Rung, Rung has a theory about their cellmate and he offers him like an Energon goodie and then he uh, sells them on purpose and then he starts like, "Oh no, let me let me pick them up." And Minimus freaks out. He's like, "He's like, you're doing it wrong. Like, just let me let me get it clean up." Like, because uh, we all know that Ultra Magnus is the most anal retentive robot in the Transformers universe. Uh, like when he freaked out when Tailgate said he saw a speck of dirt on his desk. Um, so. Rung, Rung saw through, you know, whatever uh, guys Minimus Ambus had put up and deduced that it was Ultra Magnus. Um, so, we uh, fast forward. Now, 
Skids or makes it down. To, no, Skids doesn't make it down to the planet because he's fighting the legislators. Um, so now that I backtracked and covered my main man's backstory, which uh, you know will will be expanded upon in uh, great detail further on into the more than meets the eye slash lost light storyline. Um, Tyrus reveals that he has made a machine in the vein of Equatus uh, that uh, will target the sparks of constructed cold robots and uh, anywhere in the universe and will snuff them out. Uh, and being that you know Autobots can't let innocents die, they have to stop him. Uh, and that's and in addition to building his murder machine, Tyrist also has constructed a space bridge. Um, now, does he say it's to Cyber? Yeah, he says it's to Cyber Utopia, but he, but he can't enter it because it's tied to the Equatus uh, technology in that it uh, detects guilt. So only someone without any guilt can pass through the space bridge to Cyberia. So, uh, you know, Tyrus has clearly gone off the deep end. Um, and he... Um, he actually... One of the legislators uh, mashes Minimus Ambus's head, uh, and Tyrus is, you know, laughing maniacally, like, oh, you can't stand against me. Um, and, hey, surprise, surprise, James Robert faked death again. Um, now, I don't know, at this point it seemed like it was just a joke to me, because it's like, you had the fake-out death of Ultra Magnus getting stabbed by Overlord, and then, like, not two issues later, you have fake-out Minimus' death, uh, where we reveal that Minimus Ambus is a load-bearer, which uh, is a very certain type of spark that can um, bear loads. Um, so he's basically like a Russian nesting doll robot, uh, because we have the very tiny, uh, what does he call it, the irreducible Minimus Ambus, which he's very much smaller than uh, Rodimus. And then we have his bigger form that we met in the uh, the jail cell, and then we have his Ultra Magnus armor. So um, it takes a very special spark type to become Ultra Magnus, the Eternal Lawman and Dread Pirate Ultra Magnus of the Autobot ranks. Um, <laughs> um, so. Um, decoded um actually i need to step away for a quick minute so if you want to take the uh the reins on the uh last little bit of the uh this what was what was the storyline called it wasn't the dying of the light that was season two's finale this was like a little bit before it went into pre the pre dark cybertron right but the the storyline um i don't have it in front of me I'm looking it up right now. There we go. Because what what when did Dark Cybertron start? It started at issue twenty one or twenty two? Twenty three. Yeah, but then there was the, the preludes too. 
but yeah. So, and I I, I should remember the storyline because it was like the big season. Now, storyline of uh, season one. Oh, you're talking about 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 uh, like issue issue twenty one. Well, just the whole the whole storyline with Tyrest and Luna one. Oh, um, well, he was he was building this this uh this space bridge that he thought was or this portal basically that he thought was going to get him to Cyber Utopia. And, no, no, no. Um, I was just I was asking the title of the storyline. I kind of oh man, I kind of covered. Remain in the light, I believe. Oh, remain in the light. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so Dakota, uh, I just saw the chat. Um, so I covered all the way through Minimus Ambus, uh, in his fakey fake out death. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> the uh, retirement. So, um, and so like we've seen it on the slab already. With just his his head and his transformation, or his his head and the spark, rather. Oh, I totally. Okay, I totally. Um, I totally glossed over that. Um, but uh, there, I mean, there's nothing really much to that. It's just you know, pharma. No, no. Actually, yeah, I forgot. I forgot about that main player. Um, I'll let you take the reins for a minute, okay? All right, cool. Um, so pharma pharma has showed up, and you know. <laughs> Ratchet was the only one. Yeah, man. He's a funny and crazy character. He's he's got that stupid looking Kool Aid smile on his face. You just can't help but laugh there. The Kool Aid smile. You're right, but after after the events that happened on Delphi, like I can't. I've got to imagine between that and you know being rounded by no Tyrus and his group of cronies, uh, that Pharma has you know kind of gone crazy. You know between you know you got to think like to to kind of. Uh, like relate to him. He was at the well, Tarn in the DJD, supplying for Tarn's addiction of transformation cogs. So I'm sure he's he was just all under all kinds of stress, and that caused him to snap. Um, but yeah, he's yeah. he's got Ratchet on a table, and and you know you see just Red, and he's like, you know, yeah, wakey, wakey, like uh, you know, I've got a surprise for you. It's you in a box, and it shows Ratchet's alt mode. Uh, that Tyrus like has in a box, not Tyrus, Pharma, and you know Pharma's like you know hey do you like the new hands and like they switch out for like chainsaws and stuff and you know Ratchet's kind of uh, kind of freaking out and uh, he's like so so you got cured and he goes you know man there's all kinds of stuff here we can you know we can find a cure for everything here if we have the time uh, so it's Ratchet's head and his spark on a table um, that Tyrus had surgically removed. Not Tyrest Pharma. Why do I keep getting those mixed up? Um, so, as Pharma is about to basically put Ratchet like out of his out of his misery, uh, Ratchet was like, "Tell you what, I'll I'll bet you your hands because Pharma was like, you know, I've always you know I'm the better doctor, and you know you know sizing them up right, and yeah, Ratchet was like, I'll bet you I t- that I can." Uh, I, I, you know, that I'm, I'm the, I'm the better doctor, you know, that it's, it's not the hands, it's the person behind the hands. So Pharma says, okay, uh, tell you what we'll do. I'm going to cut Ambulon in half, and if you can repair him before he dies, then you're truly the better doctor. So, you know, Pharma puts wow. Roger back in his body, 
And uh, Ambulance freaking out, and uh, Ratchet's like, you know, man, don't freak out. Fine, you know, uh, I've I've put Cybertronians back together at the waist several times. This is going to be a piece of cake. And that's whenever Pharma, that crazy, you know, crooked smile that he had, that Joker smile, was just like, who said Actually, anything? Actually, no, about- no. I'm, I'm going to tell you something about Pharma. You know who he reminds me of? It's not the Joker. Who's he reminds me of? Riddler. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Think about it. Intelligent. Uh, it's like a riddle. He's tell. This is what he's done. The ratchet. A riddle. It's like saying, "Riddle me this. What you have this amount of time to figure this on out? I'm going to cut this guy. Let's see if you can put him back together." Yeah, and they just assumed they were going to. You know, he was going to come in half of the. But Pharma said no. You know, who said anything about cutting him? You know, horizontally, and he chopped. Uh, Ambulon in half vertically uh, from crotch to head or from head to I guess um, and in which point like first aid's there and first aid's freaking out so Ratchet's just working on him uh, <laughs> at which point you know Pharma yeah man like at which point Pharma's just like he's he's just kind of like you know egging him on walked off over and you know Ratchet's still there doing stuff and you know he's he's kind of playing along he's like no I can save him I can save him I can save him and first aid, you know, just kind of kept egging him on. And Ratchet said, "Look, first aid, uh, Ambulon was was dead as soon as he hit the floor. Uh, what I'm doing is, you know, he basically made a weapon out of Ambulon, out of Ambulon's spare parts. And I think that's what he used to kind of escape Pharma's uh, crazy lab. Um, meanwhile, Tyrus has put together this mass weapon that targets all Cybertronians constructed cold, uh, a switch, basically." Uh, and, you know, those that are cold constructed because he feels that they were the, you know, they're the inferior, like they are the sins that Cybertronians need to atone for, uh, because, you know, he felt that, the, you know, the Equitus found, you know, everyone that was guilty to be cold constructed. Um, he, you know, he felt that that was, uh, you know, that was like, that was going to be his way to, to repent to get into Cyber Utopia because, you know, if he, if he went through the portal, it would only accept those that were free of guilt. Somehow it detected guilt, and, and Pharma could never enter it. So uh, Rodimus and company escape while picking up uh, Getaway, who was captured. And we get a little bit of backstory uh, behind like Getaway and why Skids was on that you know planet. Uh, Getaway and Skids worked for the Autobot Elite Guard, which was another special ops group that Prowl was kind of overseeing, so you know, Prowl had his hand in a lot of the stuff. You know, he was overseeing, you know, the Elite Guard. He was overseeing the Wreckers, and they they made the comment, or Getaway made the comment, you know, we were the Wreckers done right. We're the Wreckers that could, you know, essentially go on the record uh, and and do things by a book to a certain extent. Um, and Skids was a part of that with Getaway, and well, they were they were called the Diplomatic Corps. And they're basically, uh, you know, cyber, they're Autobot wet works. Like they were, they were like blacker black ops. Like because Jazz was like spec ops. Like the the diplomatic corps was, you know, it was basically the stuff that nobody could know about. Like so, there were probably like personal, uh, you know, wet works. See, I thought I thought they were, and, and, and I may have, I may have just you know interpreted it wrong, but I thought they were you know because 
get away saying they're the records done right. Um, you know, like a lot of the shit that the records did had to be altered, which we saw on Physitron's data files. Um, records, you know, the, the whole records declassified thing. So, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you're right. Now that I'm, now that I'm kind of looking at it. Um, but either way, uh, it, it explains, you know, why Skids... We, we kind of get that answer to why Skids was uh, on that planet, why he didn't have any memories, uh, because it was a nudge gun, and it was meant to... The first shot, it had two shots in it. The first shot was meant to kind of make Tyrist, you know, not as... Uh, like, not as as determined as he was to to do what he was doing, to try to police and change laws and, you know, things of that sort on a galactic level all on his own. Um, well, Prowl had an inkling that um, Tyrus had gone off the rails, and he sent Skids and Getaway to um, hit him with one of the binary gun uh, shots and basically wipe his memory. So that wow. you know, whatever, whatever he was, like previous, yeah, whatever he was, he was going to do, he he wouldn't have done it. Yeah, which, right, which we learned that 1984 is actually the in um, Tyrest's like uh, database for thought warfare, which yeah. is exactly what, like the crime that Skids was. Uh, Guilty of, basically. Guilty of, yeah. To augment memory Um. So it was it was cool, kind of seeing that all come together, though. Um, you know, and I think I think they even had didn't they have handlers? Um. As well, and and that may be that may be something that we find yeah. out because I know shock and ore played played a role in shock that. Shock and ore. Um, and and you know we or died in the in the in the transwarp engines. I can't remember. Oh, and then Shock died by the by the Spark Eater. So that's why none of that you know kind of came to fruition. Um, it all just kind of fell apart. But uh, but meanwhile, while all this is happening, Cyclonus and Whirl are kind of like on their own, and they find the the Circle of Light. You know, if you remember Crystal City, they weren't there. Uh, so they find them all basically in prison cells, and they find a, you know, a cache of all of their weapons and the great swords and all that. So, you know, Whirl and Cyclonus each get, you know, grab them a sword, and they free the Circle of Light. And, you know, you got Diatlas and all these other guys, you know, kind of taking the fight um, to all the legislators. Um, and Whirl's just kind of going crazy, swinging a sword around, shooting guns and shit. Cyclonus is actually, like, tapping into the power of the Great Sword, uh, using it, like, very naturally. And, like, even Diatlas was like, you know, you know, wow, you're, you're pretty natural at, at doing this. And Cyclonus had no idea what he was doing, uh, which, was, which was interesting. It was interesting seeing that. And, you know, we, we see Cyclonus hangs on to that for uh, the remainder, you know, of the series. But very, very interesting nonetheless. Did you get to the Star Saber introduction? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, yeah, okay, but really quick, um, on uh, Diatlas and his comment about Cyclonus, he says to Whirl, your friend is clearly a devout, and Whirl's like, friend? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, I completely skipped over that. 
Oh, it's all good. Uh, basically, um, oh, you're kind of robot and is introduced. But uh, are you are you talking? Well, I guess you're not talking. But um, oh, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm listening. Is that better? Okay, yeah, that's better. Oh. Okay, can you guys hear me now? Yeah, yeah, we got you. Okay. Yeah, and um, yeah. my my cell phone service is spotty, and I'm on my cell phone. I'm not on a computer, so. Um, yeah, so Star Saber is uh, very different in care from his uh, Victor self. Yeah. He's an a-hole. He's, oh, he's, an a-hole. He's, an, he's a he's a he's a he's a zealot asshole is what he is. Yep. Yeah, he's he's all like he's he's basically like what I. I would equate, you know, a re- religious extremist, like, the circle of light isn't hardcore enough, you know, as he is, and he's like, you know, Primus's chosen one, and, um, <laughs> one, one thing that we, one thing that we do learn about the circle of light is Tyrus has been, uh, actually executing them and recycling their, uh, remains to make his legislators. Oh yeah, that was that was pretty dark. We also found that Star Saber was part of the Circle of Light at one point before he was exiled, for being, you know, a little too uh, extreme, to to say the least. But Star Saber is, you know, Tyrus introduced him as kind of like the new Ultra Magnus. Like, there's no need for Ultra Magnus anymore. You know, now there's Star Saber. Um, so there's a big battle kind of going on outside. Uh. Team Rodimus and company have all, you know, escaped their jail cell and they're they're running Tyrus. And that's whenever he, you know, reveals his big master plan about uh, targeting those constructed cold, and and therefore uh, kind of flipping the switch. At this point, uh, Tailgate can't use his legs. Like he's starting to finally, you know, he what would he have cyber necrosis or something like that, where it was, it was yeah. just a degenerative disease. Uh, yeah, he's the cyber necrosis. Yeah, so he's he's you know starting to show those symptoms, and like Rodimus is having to carry him like a little baby, which is adorable. But um, so they they make their way to Tyrus, and Tyrus um, Tyrus flips the switch, and just about everyone there, I believe, was cold constructed. So they hit the ground, or no, 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 no. He, that's not what made them uh, hit the ground. He he did something. He he set off some kind of weapon, didn't he? That made them think that they were. Uh, it was basically thought warfare. It made them think that they were unable to to move and get up. It was set on a certain 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 frequency, so it was playing games with their minds. Like really, there was nothing wrong with them, but um, but it was kind of a MacGuffin to tell you the truth. So you know, they're all on the ground. He flips the switch. Those that were constructed cold are starting to you know, kind of spaz out, like, they're starting to die, and then you see, um, kind of, like, all over, you know, you see, like, Starscream, uh, who's, who's on Cybertron and part of the R.I.D. thing, like, he's going, you know, he's having a fit, uh... Spin, uh, is playing Jenga with Grimlock, and Grimlock is, uh, Grimlock is staring intently at the tower, and Spinster is, like, you know, his eyes are melting out of his head, uh, and, and uh, I think the rest of the, uh... The, the yeah, scavengers, they're all cold-constructed, too. Yeah, and then, yeah, because uh, we learn about that later on. Um, and then uh, we, yeah, it's, 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 it's very cool that they 
jumped around to different parts of the universe to show who was affected by the uh, the kill switch. Land like on Kaon uh, was as well. Yeah. Yeah, which uh, Tarn Tarn seems genuinely concerned for Kaon. Which is yeah, uh, and like that was that that should have a different side of the DJD. Like Tarn was like Kaon, I need you to tell me what's wrong. Like let you know so I can help you. Let me help you. He was you know, he he was definitely concerned about which at that point in time I don't think Tarn was pushed over the edge. Like he like he gets pushed over the edge later. Um, yeah, he, he was definitely he was definitely more of his mind at that point in the uh, storyline. Yeah. So, but but it, it was it was interesting seeing all of that, you know, who all was affected by it. Uh, but fortunately, Syndicate was kind of you know suffering from all of that. He didn't he didn't you know because he was everything he was catching was on a lower frequency. It you know th- that sound didn't affect him. So even though he was on the ground, he could still technically move. Um, so he ended up getting you know finding a way to Tyrest, and then he you know, jumped up and he stuck his finger in the drill hole in Tyrus' head and I think that incapacitated him. Um, the All the while, and then from there, like, the Autobots were able to get up and start doing stuff. Uh, all the while, Pharma's kind of egging uh, First Aid and Ratchet along. Uh, and, you know, he, he's just he's just talking shit and finally, you know, Ratchet's like, you know, first, you know, because First Aid has a big gun in his hand. He's like, you know, first aid, you, you, know, you don't have to do this. Make you any better than he is. Um, so, you know, you, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to do that. Uh, and he actually um, does blow Pharma's head off because Pharma was joking about how funny it was that Ambulon got cut in half. Um, oh, that was so gruesome. Oh, I know. Yeah. I was, I, I stepped away when uh, Ambul- Ambulon met his demise, but. Like, oh man, like, bisected, like, crotch to crown. Yeah, that was, uh... But, I mean, Ratchet handled it pretty easy, though, honestly. Like, all things considered, Ratchet Ratchet handled it pretty well, <laughs> making making him into a weapon. Yeah. But, uh... So that's that's what kind of sort of ties up Ambulon. At this point, the portal's open, though. Um, and I think Skids, like, runs through it. Just, to, yeah. you know, because Skids can, can go through it. Because he, cause he doesn't remember his guilt. Right, and he teleported down there with, uh, what's his name, uh, Star Saber. Yeah, that's right, because uh, Star Saber had kind of knocked him out at that point. Um, but I think, meanwhile, Star Saber was uh, fighting with Diatlas at this point uh, over, looked like it was over a smelting pool, and or it was near one at least, and Diatlas is kind of, preaching to to Star Saber and we find out Diatlas has been around for a long time. He was he was around since uh since Nova Prime. Um yeah, which we, um, we, we find that we, out in the RID we, uh annual. But just to kind of throw a little bit of Diatlas story out there. And then some like really brutal shit happens. like I think Diatlas like Primus would be you know Primus this isn't like the teachings of Primus or, or you know something along those lines and then uh Star Saber was just like, you know, can I tell you something? Like Primus hates you as as he impales him. So some real cold shit right there, man. Uh and was it was it Cyclonus who uh dealt a pretty pretty big blow to Star Saber? Cause I think someone didn't Star Saber get stabbed in the eye. Yeah, Cyclonus is the one Yeah, because um Cyclonus basically kinda lectures him on 
how he's perverting, you know, like, Primus's legacy, and uh, Cyclonus uh, stabs him in the eye or something. And uh, At which point, like, he, he kind of teleports, and we haven't, we haven't seen Star Saber after this since, which... Uh, right. Which is very, like, that's something like a... You know, I'd like to see him kind of return. Like, he's got to be up to something, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway. Like, so, so, so yeah, this. We haven't seen him in a while. Well, well Dallas is dead. Yeah. I was going to say, Star Saber, yeah. Star Saber killed him. Yeah, he's he's dead dead. Um, <laughs> which you, ha- you have to clarify with James Roberts writing, uh, uh, you know, if they're fake out dead or dead dead. Um, but... Uh, Hold on, I'm sorry, I got a speaker, so I don't know if it sounds like I'm going through a wind tunnel. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Skid's in Cyber Utopia, and he is, uh, he's communing with uh, some strange orb. That's, then they're commu- he's, the orb's communicating with him in pictures, which is... Uh, right. Pretty, pretty funny. Um, and then we see the we see like the the five circles symbol, which we don't know what that is. And Skids is looking at Skids, and it's it's a, it's a really cool page just because there is no dialogue, and you're kind of left to the mercy of deciphering the pictures that um, the the orb is communicating to Skids in. Um, and even to this but, day, like, I, mean, I don't feel like it's been super clear. Yeah. Right, because um, and I mean, it ties it ties into some things in season two, uh, but we it's 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 like the symbol ship and those mysterious people. Like we don't know what what is uh, we don't know what exactly all that means. Um, so Skids gets pulled out of Cyber Utopia by Rung, uh, you know, affectionately his eyebrows. Um, and so uh, Tailgate actually saves the day in addition to his uh, new finger, finger, finger in the head, head signature. Um, <laughs> because, because he was such a great study of Ultra Magnus and the Autobot Code, uh, he was actually able to uh, edit Tyrus' database um, and shut down all the legislators and enacted a uh, pin. So that's a that's a very important uh, part right there. Is is the number ten? Uh, I can't remember what what he what he like altered it as, but um, either way, funny funny nonetheless. But there's still the the problem with. You know, all of those that are constructed cold kind of spazzing out all across, you know, the universe. Um, at which point, I believe it was Brainstorm suggested, uh, or Rodimus suggested using the Matrix. Somebody suggested using Rodimus as half of the Matrix. Um, right, yeah. In they, they which hook, case, they were like... They hook him oh, go ahead. up to the kill switch. Um, and he's got a lot of wires running around him, around his head. Uh, very... Um, very religious uh, imagery with Rodimus, you know, basically wearing a crown of thorns and uh, being hooked up to the machine 
in almost a uh, like a crucified pose. Wow. Yeah. Um, so you know, like kind of, kind of, you know, going into the whole like Rodimus is the chosen one savior kind of uh, mentality, um, and I, I like how it's like. Um, you may die. <laughs> brainstorm, brainstorm very nonchalantly is like, yeah, this might kill you, but it's gonna save everybody else. So, uh, and and Rodimus, you know, really with hesitation, like do it. And I think he said, you know, the mat- you know, your half of the matrix probably won't like this. This will definitely overload that. Like I, I think he said for sure the matrix won't last, uh, and you may die, but you know whatever. It's, right. it's okay. Uh, and in which case, you know, the Rodimus just says, go for it, and so. By doing what he did, uh, that, you know, basically was what turned the supposedly uh, unturn-offable, if I can fuck up the English language even more, uh, switch that, that Tyrus had, had said. Uh, meanwhile, in the background, Pharma's body is getting pulled into this portal. Uh, by tentacles. Yeah. Oh. T- shout out to Daryl. Robo, um, robo tentacle porn. <laughs> <laughs> So and that's, that's something that you know that's, that's that's something that hasn't really been you know cleared up too well. No, I mean, uh, yeah, because we, we for the most part crisis averted. Yeah, right? and I mean it's um, James Roberts, and I don't know if it was in a podcast, an interview, um, but it's it, it like I thought it was really interesting that like the evil trinity of pharma, Tyrest, and Star Saber, uh, they're they're meant to they're meant to represent like the three things that you know like can be the most evil when they're twisted which is um the law medicine and religion oh wow yeah so, so well put together like yeah like it's it's really cool when you like when it gets broken down like that because tyrus represents pharma represents medicine and Star Saber represents religion, and how all three, uh, when twisted, can be, you know, the most destructive force in the universe. And in, in which in which they were, yeah. definitely, when they came together. Uh, that said, man, I'm going to end us right there. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't, I know, I know Greg really wanted to cover the next issue. It's, it's definitely his favorite issue. And I like it, and I think there's a lot that we can kind of cover just in that individual issue. Um, I think since it's technically a Dark Cybertron prelude, we can do that all with the Dark Cybertron stuff. Uh, yeah, we. Yeah, I mean, it's basically it's, it's like a recap episode of season one. Yeah, um, with some, with but some I mean, we, we can. In there we, and, yeah, yeah, we 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 can save it for the 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 Greg spe- the the Greg specific episode. So that we have planned. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Oh yeah. So I mean, what are your uh, what are you guys' thoughts on like more than meets the eye season one? You know, up to this point, like. Um, it it definitely you know feels like there's just so much still open, and there there definitely is. Uh, but but I don't think you know this you know with 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 as as far as this being like an. Uh, season one ending, I felt it was a good finale, but still with some loose ends that uh, will eventually be tied up, and I think that was the intention, was to leave them like that. Uh, but this this was a really good, um, like, yeah, it was kind of sort of slow starting, you know, for the first uh, first couple of issues. A lot of it was more, you know, a lot of that world building, 
up until we got, you know, up until we get past the, the, the Overlord stuff. Uh, and then, you know, we get into, or really not past the Overlord stuff, but uh, those little couple of standalone issues before the Overlord stuff. And, and then going forward, so, you know, 12, basically 12 through through 21, what we've covered today. Uh, that's definitely like your, your real meaty parts of, of uh, More Than Meets the Eye Season 1. In my yeah, because because like the first the first like like I jo- like I joked in the group chat you know season one part one that we covered last week, uh, uh, which is available now on uh, you know, and uh, the realm of collectors uh, page. So uh, if you guys uh, haven't gotten a chance, you know if you're if you're if you're not caught up yet, it is available for you to listen. Right, uh, and, and I will. I, w- I would like to uh, give a give a big shout out and a thanks to uh, to Milo and and Dust Mites because you know uh, what I do is I'll just upload all this to my drive and then like Ace handles it on the the podcast end like Podbean and iTunes and all that and you know puts it on the website the Collectors dot com website. Uh, Eddie handles like the YouTube upload and all that, uh, which is you know again really. Uh, really cool. I really, I really do want to want to say thanks to those guys for, I, for yeah. doing that heavy work yeah, big, uh, for us. Oh, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, definitely big out to the uh, realm of collectors for uh, you know letting us do this it's under their uh, their umbrella. Yeah, man. It was it was it was really cool. You know, like, and that was you know whenever whenever kind of you know put it out there like, hey, does anyone want to join me? Uh, you know, I'm. Like my second question kind of went out to to Eddie and Ace. Uh, I was like, "Hey guys, you know, are you, are you okay with this? You know, can we do it this way?" And I mean, they were all for it. They were super supportive. So uh, it was it was really cool. The man, uh, I, do, I do like that that whole uh, community building thing was uh, it's it's very very awesome. So, um, uh, right, man, Walter. Yeah, you had any? Yeah, uh, I like to send a big shout out to you guys because basically. <laughs> This has been my realm. This has been me for over 30 years as a comic book collector. Um, did a whole thing, and, and I'll put it on out there. Some guys may not hear me talk, but, you know, I got the books, you know. And it's just, what was it? Like four or five years since I read them. You know what I'm saying? It's, and, like, a, it's, like, a ni- it's like a fun trip down memory lane until we start covering R.I.D., right. then we're all going to be asleep at the microphone. Right, exactly. <laughs> and the best story that IDW has put on out so far was all Hell Megatron. Uh, Dark Cybertron there to me was pretty good. Uh, and therefore, we went with the continuation stuff. Now, on the James Roberts side, I- I'm going to touch something right quick. There's some people in the fandom that hate him, and I don't know why. I don't know why. He's a super sweet guy. Uh, if they ever got to, to to meet him and get to know him, but. because I th- I think what it is they expect to be G one. It's just I- I'll put this on out here right quick. Like this past weekend, we're, we're talking about rewind and Chrome Dome Chrome Dome's love interest. Who cares about that? You know that's a story. You know what I'm saying? And the thing of it is, it's like you know some people up on Facebook. Where, and I'm not, I'll put in a little hint, like the recent issue of, what, what's the name of this series that's been canceled until All Our One, am I correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's All Our yeah. One. Yeah. Oh, man. And, yeah, they, the people. The rage. Yeah. I'll <laughs> be honest, I'll, without without getting too into that, because it looks like we'll just be able to cover till All Our One. Right. In, in a single swoop. Um, 
but that felt forced. I'll be totally honest. It felt you forced think so? and out of place. Uh, absolutely, man. I just, in my opinion, like I didn't have uh, like any of the, the the issues the internet has with it. I just felt that it was forced. Where Chrome Dome and Rewind was presented supernaturally. It was built, and, and, and it and it yeah, and it worked. It worked its way in with and through the story. Uh, but but what happens until one? It's like it literally came out of nowhere and it felt forced. In my I, you know what? Yeah, I have to echo Dakota. Dakota's sentiments, uh, like, it just, it, it feels like it's there just for the sake of it being there, and feel like, uh, like, it, it doesn't feel like it naturally evolved, like, the Rewind Chrome Dome, uh, relationship. Yeah, that said, that was, we didn't get, that was, uh, oh, go ahead. the best writing, Here, Dakota, yeah, I'm sorry, well, I just, I just, I just wanted to, to point out, that was the best writing that we've ever seen for Starscream, in my opinion. I will say that, but go go ahead. No, I mean, here, let me educate the audience here right quick, because it's like what Greg said earlier before we hopped on. And I really do want this audience, at least half of the people to hear this. Half of the fandom, and I'm not trying to be take shots or anything, but I'm going to tell the truth, and the truth hurts. Half of them are hypocrites. You know, you got common characters that some of them are gay or lesbian. I'll go with one Batwoman. She's a lesbian. Okay, uh, what's the name from the X-Men? Northstar, he was gay. There's been no outrage on this. But this past issue that came on out, how can you have outrage in a Facebook group that blows up completely and just say, oh, I don't want no gay bots. Those are not my bots. When did they ever start becoming your damn bots? Well, it's not, it's, it's, it's not just that, but, like, it, it's not, they don't, they don't like. I don't know what's 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 the word. How, how do I, how do I tackle this verbally? They don't they don't reproduce um, in <laughs> yeah. the way that well, they organics. Yeah, reproduce. they're racial. It's it's not. So I mean, like yeah. you know, you can call them gay robots because you identify all of them as male because you know you project yourself onto the characters. But like, if it was just if it was just you know war 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 shoot 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 like. Exactly. You know these these comics would die so quickly, and it's the fact that we have writers like James Roberts and Marguerite Scott, uh, which I probably butchered her name because I never pronounced it ever out loud, um, and uh, John John Barber, like you know they're they're exploring you know Cybertronians as characters, not just as you know, these archetypes and stereotypes that we had in the Marvel, you know, G1. Great, great as it was, like, it's some, like, the Marvel dear to my heart because that's what I grew up on as a kid. Like, I bought them as they came out in the stores. But, you know, compared to the writing we're getting now with IDW, uh, you know, completely different ballparks. Oh, it really is. And the, here's the thing, when I hear, and this is what kills me about fandom. Oh, it sucks. Oh, it's horrible. It's not what I grew up on. There's a thing called change. You cannot have war or wars and wars and wars of every issue. You know what I'm saying? You can have a group of evil bad guys take energy and a group of bad Go with something different, and that's what IDW has done. And yeah, because too too much of the same, you know, the same fights is going to get stale. 
Uh, exactly. That, ha- that happened I mean, already, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's like lost to me. And I said it before, I don't know why it's not in its Diamonds Top 100. Because any comic book store I go here to, it's, it sells out. Yeah, uh, there, there's very few, very oh, yeah. few back issues at my local comic shop, too. Yeah, if I, do, if I don't make it to my comic book shop by Friday at the latest, like, there's a good chance I will not get a hard copy of uh, Lost Light or, you know... I mean, Talar 1, Talar 1, Optimus, Optimus Prime's definitely been sticking around, you know, not to knock the creative team on that, but it doesn't seem like it's as well-received as uh, Lost Light and Talar 1. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it seems, and I don't know if it's shops under-ordering because they don't want to be sitting on a lot of back stock, but yeah, if you don't get to the comic book shop the week of release, like, there's a good chance you will not get a hard copy in my notes, you know, being, uh, you know, Brandon slash Tampa, Florida. See, I'm, I mean, you know, I'm not in, and as a, uh, well, well, I mean, it's it's a pretty heavy populated area, but it's not like big, heavily populated. Uh, I'm like, I'm pretty, like, I, I don't know, I really look out because I don't really buy variants. I just find, like, with the exception of like some of the Sins of the Wreckers books, I bought some variant covers that that I really liked. Um, and even last year, oh, the records. But, uh... uh go, yeah, um, uh, I'll wait for you to wrap up, because I I want to I wanna kind of uh, whine uh, about my Ultra Magnus obsession after you're done. Alright. I was going to say, like, my, my local comic shop, they seem to give me the covers that I want, just, you know, anyways, on, on my pull list. So, like, like with, with, with this week, you know, I got the Megatron cover, which is the cover that I wanted the most. For for Lost Light number six, so like I just I just I just luck out and get get the covers that I want. So anyway, that that's all I wanted to say. Uh, um, in in relation to like uh, you know alternate covers, retailer incentives. Uh, whoever decides the retailer incentives for uh, more than meets the eye or eye in general, like they must have a vendetta against Ultra Magnus because. I, I actually, uh, the last weekend I went through TF Wiki and I went through a good number of the IDW comics because uh, if you guys aren't, uh, for listeners, if you're uh, already clued into it, I am a huge Ultra Magnus collector. And uh, uh, being that I have pretty much every toy iteration of Ultra Magnus, I've now moved into collecting um, comics with Ultra Magnus dominantly featured on cover. And uh, let me tell you, like, every, I'd say, like, 80% of the covers that have Ultra Magnus or predominantly feature him are retailer incentives. So it's uh, it's going to be uh, an expensive and time-consuming uh, trek for me to track down all these Ultra Magnus covers. And a uh, big shout-out to Walter. I know I shouted it out in all the Facebook groups, but, um, you know, he... Went to a local comic book shop uh, up in Chicago, uh, or not Chicago? Um, where Waukegan. you at? Ottawa? No, Waukegan. Waukegan. Illinois. Oh, Waukegan. Okay, all right. I mean, I used to live up there. I should know that. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Are you uh, serious? Yeah, I, I grew up in Mount Prospect. Oh so. shit! Where do you live at now? Oh, oh, I'm down. I'm I'm down in Tampa, Florida. It's uh, oh, it's definitely okay. it's definitely a very distinctive uh, change. Um, but yeah, Walter, uh, was at the local comic looking for something for Dakota, 
And uh, I asked him to peek through the boxes, see if he could find any Ultra Magnus covers. And uh, he found a um, cover from The Ongoing uh, that was written by Mike Costa and drawn by Don Fagra. Uh It was actually an Andrew Wildman cover. Uh, so it's in the Marvel uh, G1 art style. And uh, really, really awesome cover. Really, really appreciate that he was able to uh, make that happen. Thank you, Walt. Hey, you're welcome. Um, this, this is what I'm going to say. Um, I want to get to something right quick. This is what it is. With the comic book covers and all, like, comic stores have to order up a certain just to get that one last copy. That one last copy is going to be very, excuse me, very, very hard. So I'm going to put that all out there to people. And here's another thing there, too. I'm going to reach this audience here, too. Um, With the IDW universe, we have gotten characters. Okay. How does it work? First first appearance, key characters. I want to let the people know, but this ain't like Marvel work. Well, it's just a key issue. No, it's just, you know, some characters are fully making their appearance. And I want to touch there on something there uh, right quick with uh, Spiros. Are you still there? Uh, Spiros, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, man. No, it's all right. It's just it's one of my pet peeves, and I figure I wouldn't be too harsh on you. (laughs) (laughs) I want to put something, a little bit of a nugget out here to to some people. Uh, I don't know which it was, but it was from Marvel. It dealt with Secret Wars 2. It's a transformer in a way tie-in with Circuit Breaker. What? And, yeah, and in the early issues of Transformers, I think it was six or seven. There's I into X Men with the Savage Land. That's yeah, because that's where the that's where the Dinobots originated from. Yeah. So I thought I'd let the audience know, but yeah, it's and a, uh, black black suit huh? Spider Man uh, faced off against Megatron. And uh, yeah. that was issue three, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got the I've got the first five issues. Because uh, that's 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 where I wanted to kind of stop it at. Like personally, you know, I wanted the first four because you know the whole part one four thing. Uh, even though it, it it you know went on for way more than four issues, and I wanted to get issue number five just because of the cover. I love the are all dead cover. So. Yeah, in Secret War, she's talking to the Beyonder. Okay. I- I cannot remember which issue it is, but all I know it was in Secret Wars 2. That's pretty cool. Um, cool. Do you guys want to give any more shout-outs, though? We've been going for about two hours now. Um, thought it'd be a good wrapping-up point. Yeah. Give a shout-out for this podcast crew, as usual. Uh, shout-out to Revenant Collectors for giving me the opportunity there to do this. And to hardcore collectors as well, to the TV community and toy community as a whole. Spiros, you got anything? Uh, yeah, shout out, you know, to Mastermind Creations just for uh, making plastic uh, representations of all this awesome art that we do get in More Than Meets the Eye. Oh, isn't that um, Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean I'm, I'm, right, like, I'm right there with you, man. I'm kind of... You know, at first MMC was a little rocky for me, but uh, I'm starting to a lot of my a lot of my collector dollars are starting to go towards them. I mean, just um, you know, if 
just just to you know kind of lay out what is on the horizon from Mastermind Creations for uh, listeners who might not be as into third party as you know we are. Uh, there's a Rodimus figure based on Morning Meets the Eye. Uh, there's a Megatron figure based on his appearance in uh, later issues of More Than Meets the Eye and Lost Light. Um, out this month, basically. Well, I, I, yeah, I bet it, they're going to be pushed I think back I, because they still, like, Turbin, their world still hasn't come out. Yeah, they, um, from what I understand, they shifted a couple of releases around. Uh, I believe coincide with convention season. Uh, so, hint, hint, hint. Um, if you see... If you see a Mastermind Creations release come out uh, soon, there may be a convention repaint right around the corner. It's um, <laughs> killing me, man. Because uh, I, I already know, man. I already know it's going to be Black Rodimus. It's going to be the the Lost Light Rodimus. Oh God! I I hope I hope that it, I hope it's as easily acquirable as most of uh, MMC's other convention exclusives, which means uh, it's available on the web a week later. Um, oh my but... god! Well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm having a buddy. He's going to the t- uh, uh, just just go ahead and say it. TFCon uh, Toronto, which is where you'll probably find that stuff. Toronto and and then DC later on. But a buddy of mine's going to the Toronto show, and he nice. offered to be a mule. And I was like, man, if there's some MMC stuff there, uh, you know, uh, I got you. He's also he's also going to get uh, some of my uh, books signed by by Nick Roche and pick me up some Nick Roche prints as well. Since you know, I, I nice. don't know if Nick's going to make it to TFCon DC. Uh, later this year, but um, but yeah. So shout out, shout out to my buddy Sergio uh, for doing that. You'll see him in the groups all the time. Is that Sergio? Yeah, that's him. Mister Ripped Apparel. Mister Ripped the Meme Factory himself. <laughs> Mister, yeah, he's Mister Ripped. But damn, every well, nah, I ain't gonna go there. Damn, yeah, that's so dude. anyways, that dude, keep that, it nice, yeah. Walter. Keep it nice. Yeah, I'm getting uh, that, that sent out more damn emails to my damn address than. I was gonna get ripped apparel. I'm like, what the hell, man? That stuff can't fit me. Uh, oh man, I can't. I, uh, I, 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 I can't. I can't wait though. I can't wait for to, to see what MMC has in store uh, for. Yeah, was, uh, hey, wait, internet, wait, internet personality, about- internet personality uh, Shout out to him. I've been watching him for a long time, uh, following him since his days when uh, we all started out in TFW. Uh, for those of us that did start out in TFW. Oh yeah. Um, he actually just got a handed sample of MMC uh, Alpha, which is Wing from the Drift oh, miniseries. Nice. Uh, we so haven't he, seen Beta yet, and, I, and I'm wondering if they're going back and tweaking his appearance because the way he looks at, in Law is a lot more similar to that older look. So I wonder if they're going and playing with with some of the mold there, yeah. um, and instead of instead of doing him in the you know the drift mini series, the Cybertronian form. If they're gonna do a more lost light look um, instead of that spindly kind of uh, more than meets the eye look, which I, I would prefer both. Honestly, I just love drift. But, Wait, yeah. who is what series is this? Uh, MMC. Um, MM Mastermind Creations Reformatted Line, which uh, you know it's it's, it's pretty much IDW. It's IDW with a twist. Yeah. Um. But anyways, uh, yeah, not to drone on, but out to those guys. Uh, if you are interested in sponsoring information, 
Oh, it would cut out. It would cut out as soon as uh, as soon as you were like, "Hey, uh, what were you saying? What were you gonna?" Roast? Oh, I was saying, uh, I was saying like, if MMC is any interest in uh, sponsoring information creep, we will not turn it down. Oh no, absolutely not. We uh, we'll play we'll play ball. So uh, so to speak. But uh, anyways, thanks for thanks for listening to. And thanks for those that are watching. Um, hopefully, everyone enjoyed uh, last week's information creep and all the little pictures and stuff that we had. Uh, for the video form, so we'll we'll be doing that uh, again for for this issue. So got some more meat and potatoes, but next week I believe we'll be able to knock out all of quote unquote season one of R.I.D. Not a whole lot happened in that series, so we may be able to get it under the two hour belt. So hey Dakota, yeah, I think one episode we should uh, instead of putting up pictures of the actual comic book art. I think we should all uh, do our best to recreate key scenes and uh, just put up our amateurish scribble. Uh, oh, as dude. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I, I'm game for that. I would, uh, I would love to do that. Just like stick figures with like Rodimus <laughs> heads on. <laughs> like... Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that for Dark Cybertron. Oh my god. Yeah, that'll be perfect. So, uh, anyways, <laughs> until next week, guys, uh, we'll see you then. Thanks, see you for, thanks for watching. Have a good night.